Don't you appreciate our prayer team this morning? Evermore. You know, they're really recording artists because you can go back and look at those services we recorded or anytime, you know, and you can, uh, yeah, I don't know if there's going to be like a, I'm a televangelist, yes, and I have a chip team that's a recording artist and we do it all these days. Hey, we're glad you're here this morning, whether you're in person or you are joining us on stream or watching us later. This is my story. Um, I failed at uh, the first marathon that I attempted. Amen. Yes. Um, it was in Texas and it was actually New Year's Eve 2012. I didn't intend in 2011 to start running, but I did, and I just kept going and uh, made it a goal to run a marathon, and I had a training schedule, and I did everything I knew to do, and um, one of the things, though, I don't, I don't know if you know, a marathon is 26.2 miles, 26.2 miles, so when you're training, you kind of build up to that, but... Um, my training in the fall of 2012, I, I decided that the furthest distance I would run in training would be miles. Now, make a mental note, a marathon is 26.2 miles. But, uh, and actually, as I remember, I did fairly well at that 20 miles. Uh, but the day of the marathon, uh, I got to 20 and a half miles, and I was done um, somehow in my my mind I thought you know we'll just we'll get there and then we'll we'll push through Stover and I've talked on many occasions um, the marathon really only begins at about mile 18 and uh, it becomes exponentially more difficult and that's the reason they describe that point wherever that falls um, but I remember that day, actually, this was before my kids got married, and we had this um, great scene that we were going to, they were all at the finish line, and that was going to be great. And, but the problem is when you start walking at two and a half miles, I mean, you still got almost six miles to walk. And uh, if you know Daryl Smith at all, I was pretty ticked by the time I got to the finish line. And basically, I was saying to my kids, get in the car, we're leaving it's like, Dad, I think they're going to pass out metal. Get in the car. Leaving. Actually, we were going snow skiing uh, in New Mexico. And uh, we had one of the things I remember with the kids. some reason, they all piled and left Amy in the one car with me. It's like, oh, my, I don't want to be in that car with Dad uh, the next eight hours driving. Um, here's what I discovered. In that first marathon, uh, I mentally for the 26.2 miles. I thought I was, but I was not up for the challenge that was in front of me. This summer, we're talking about overcomers and uh, starting summer just talking about this 
scene, at least in my mind as I read through the book of Revelation, of this group of overcomers in eternity that will give testimony to how they've overcome, whether, whether that was their past failures, whether that was overcoming a character flaw or some challenging circumstance. Um, I have problems, don't I? Speaking of failure, I kept hearing my mic. Is it my battery? What is it? Nobody knows. Don't you love it when everything goes by plan, according to plan? Oh, y'all can hear me now. So anyhow, I failed at my first marathon. Wow, it's really live now. It's really a little bit too much me. Um, you know, for some of the overcomers in eternity, uh, it will be their path that was marked by failure. For some of those that give testimony to what Jesus Christ has done, um, their past is marked by failure. And one of those uh, that I want to look at today for the next few moments is a young man, at least when we encounter him, he's a young man, by the name of John Mark. Um, he's known in the New Testament as John Mark. Uh, most of the times that we, we come across him in the account of the early church, John was his Jewish name, Mark was his Roman name, and I guess to distinguish him from uh, the other John who was an apostle, they said John, also known as Mark. The thing that intrigues me about Mark, John Mark was he was at the very center of action in the early church because of his family and because of his experience. He may not be a, a name that you even recognize or know, but interestingly enough, when you do a search of the scripture, he is mentioned 10 times, 10 times in the New Testament writings. Uh, and so I picture John Mark at being, as being in the very core of what God was doing in that community. Surely he had to be one of the 120 on, in the upper room on the day of Pentecost because it gives us that number. I think, no, John Mark had to be there. What we discover in the scripture is that John Mark was from Jerusalem. That is very significant. Uh, we discover from Acts 12, 12 that it was his mother's home in Jerusalem that was a gathering place for the early church because in Acts 12, when Peter is miraculously freed from prison and he goes... He goes to the place where the church is gathered, praying for him, and there's a story there. We don't have time to talk about it today, but Luke notes that it was at John Mark's mother's house. So you get this sense that he is at the very center of the action. Uh, there's something even more intriguing, and I can't prove this point, but most scholars that I have read would say that John Mark was the young man, this sounds a little scandalous, 
in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it's only in one of the Gospels, but it says in Mark 14, 50, when they came and arrested Jesus, it says, then they all forsook him and fled. And here's this note, and I'm going to have to come back to this. Now a certain young man followed him, having a linen cloth thrown around his naked body, and the young men laid hold of him, and he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. Now we can't prove that, but most scholars would say, and I'll have to come back later to talk about that, that is John Mark. And so uh, I, I know I can't prove that one, but that would put him in the Garden of Gethsemane. Boy, he's in the center of action of what God was doing and the activity that was involved in the early church and in the life of Jesus. At the end of Acts 12, uh, Paul and Barnabas bring John Mark with them from Jerusalem, get this geography, from Jerusalem to the city of Antioch. In fact, it's interesting that wherever the center of activity was, it seems as if John Mark gravitated towards that. And so this is the sense I get that he was at the center of the action wherever it was happening in the early church. But, but Barnabas and Paul bring John Mark from Jerusalem with them to Antioch. Acts 13. This, these are the verses that are most critical in Acts 13. John Mark has the epic opportunity to be on the first missionary journey. It says in Acts 13, verse 5, when the church of Antioch had sent out Barnabas and, and Saul or Paul, as he became known, on this first missionary journey, it says in verse 5 of Acts 13, and when they arrived in Salamis... They preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And then here Luke makes a note. They also had John as their assistant. And so Barnabas and Saul have gone out. This is, this is epic in the turn of events in the early church. And it says that John Mark was there with them as an assistant. That word assistant means one who is a helper one who is an attendant, one who serves in a supportive role. And so I'm not claiming today that John Mark was, he was on equal level with Barnabas and Saul, but what I'm saying as a young man, even as the helper in that setting, he had the epic opportunity to be on the very cutting edge of what God was doing in such a, an amazing way and is recorded by Luke. What an incredible opportunity this young man had. But Acts 13, 13, here's probably the key verse to all of John Mark's life. It says in verse 13, Now when Paul and his party set sail from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia, and here it is, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. In the midst of that epic opportunity of that first missionary journey with, with Barnabas and Saul, uh, Luke makes the note that John Mark 
leaves. Now you have to know it's of some note because Luke denotes it in the story. This apparently has some significance. The question is, why does John Mark leave? There may be certain clues in even verse 13 because it says that he returned to Jerusalem. That's where he was from. He goes to Antioch, away from home, I don't know, maybe for the first time, probably a young man. He goes in as, as an assistant traveling with Barnabas and Saul. They go first to, to the island of Cyprus, which actually was where Barnabas was from. And then they went north af, after they'd covered that island. They went to the northern region in Asia Minor, interestingly enough, where, close to where Saul was from. It may have been as simple that John Mark was homesick because it says that he didn't return to Antioch, he returns to Jerusalem. It may have been that simple that he was simply homesick. It's possible as a young man, uh, the trip really just became more than he could handle and he lacked the, the emotional security uh, or maturity uh, to continue on to the work. There's something else in verse 13. Uh, and Luke really denotes this when he says in verse 13, now when Paul and his party, uh, don't have time to trace all this out this morning, uh, but when they left on their journey, Barnabas is listed first. The first missionary team originally was listed as Barnabas and Saul. And actually they go to where Barnabas is from in Cyprus. And it seems like Barnabas takes the lead. But somewhere in the midst of that journey, Paul begins to take the lead. This is significant because what we discover from Colossians 4.10 is that John Mark was a cousin to Barnabas. There is some sense possibly that as the missionary team changed leadership from an emphasis upon Barnabas being in the lead to Saul who becomes Paul in the lead, that uh, all of a sudden it makes John Mark feel a little uneasy. And because of that change in leadership, uh, John Mark leaves. It's also possible, we don't have time to talk about the geography of all this, but uh, they've also left where Barnabas was from Cyprus and maybe even John Mark was familiar, maybe that's a family place. They go to the region in Asia Minor where more that Paul is from and Paul takes the lead. They also came to a place there on the coast that there would have been a 12-mile trek across the mountains to get into the interior of what is called Asia Minor, which is today Turkey. It is possible that the young man looked at all that was going on and he said, you know what? I'm out of here. I think the thing about it is, and we can talk about this in our own lives, the reality is, is that John Mark had an epic opportunity to be involved in what God was doing in really just... Uh, breaking barriers and taking the gospel places. Here it is. 
John Mark didn't rise to the occasion. I don't know if it was the lack of maturity. Uh, I don't know if the work was so far out on the edge that he just didn't feel comfortable. Obviously, it, it appears that it was too much for him. Uh, and you know, the reality is, is there's no way really to know that until you're put in that situation. But obviously, it was too much for John Mark. And it is clear from the Scripture, it was a point of failure in John Mark's life. We know this because later, when after they've completed their first missionary journey, uh, Luke records um, in, in Acts 15, 37, now Barnabas was determined, they were going to go back on their missionary journeys. It says, now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. He was a cousin. Let's give the young man a second chance. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. No, he let us down. The young man failed. It's obvious that this is not a minor incident. This was something very significant. This was a point of failure. So then in verse 39 of Acts 15, then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. So Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. And Saul selects Silas. And they go uh, back to the places where they have been. And you just, you, the scripture relates that point of the story for John Mark. Now this was... This was an event of failure in the young man's life. It's not the end of the story. Actually, chronologically, when we pick up the story and we find those other references to John Mark later in the scriptures, 12 years or so has passed. So just get that. The young man fails, but all of a sudden we get a glimpse we don't really know what happened in those 12 years, except by the things that are written later. Now, the center, the cutting edge of Christianity, the center of the action, the front lines, you might say, had moved in the early years. You see this in the book of the Acts. From Jerusalem to Antioch to the mission field. But you push it out another decade or so, the cutting edge, the front lines of the gospel is in Rome. And you're not going to believe this. When we begin to get the writings of those, specifically Paul and Peter in Rome, John Mark's name comes up. It seems as if John Mark finds himself at the center of the action, wherever the gospel is. We could look at uh, 1 Peter 5.13, where Peter, in prison writing 1 Peter, alludes to Mark being there with him. We could look at the other, what would be called in, in Paul's writings, the prison epistles. And you can see in Philemon, verse 24, Paul in prison... John Mark 
there. But I think the, the one reference that I want to read today is in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. 2 Timothy, everything we know is the last of the writings of the Apostle Paul. There's only four chapters. Chapter 4, no, this is, this is some of the last stuff that Paul wrote. And he writes in 2 Timothy 4.11. He says, only Luke is with me. This is what he tells Timothy. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. We don't know how to... We don't know all the details of the story of what happened in the 12 years. A young man whose life in the beginning was marked by failure, it seems as if he has redeemed himself. And Paul, uh, you can even look at that, uh, the, the quote in Philemon 24 where Paul at least alludes to, you are to welcome him into your midst I think people had known of his failure, but somehow he, uh, he had redeemed himself and he had restored himself to Paul. Here, here's the point of all of it. Overcomers persevere. That is the story of John Mark. His failure was not the end of his story. Failure only defines us when we let it define us. And when life knocks us down, we stay down. We have to believe when we piece together the evidence that John Mark never gave up. Yes, his early life was marked. By failure. Uh, but he will be known as an overcomer in eternity. And the, I think the only reason his story is told is because the young man in time redeemed himself and he didn't give up, he persevered. And really, that's kind of my final challenge it's that word persevere. Uh, wow, it's a, it's a word we see laced throughout the New Testament writings. In John, in the book of Revelation, persevere. James talks about persevere. Paul, Peter's writings. It, it's, it's interesting, it's, it's one of those words in the original language that it's hard to find the English equivalent to. And so sometimes this word persevere is also translated endurance or patience or persevere. It is, it is that idea that the reason that John Mark was an overcomer is that he never gave up. His failure did not mark him in the end because he got up and he went on. I went back yesterday and I went back in my logs of my my running because every time I run I put it in my app um, um, why, am I, why am I drawing a blank on what my app is called uh, my 
map my run. I'm sorry. Sorry. Had a moment there. Got too many apps on my phone. Uh, went back. I said, what did I do? What did I do when I failed? Uh, December 31st, 2012. Six days later, it records, I ran again. <laughs> I think we went skiing. I came home. And uh, if you know anything about Daryl Smith, I began training six days later for my next one because it was not going to define me. In fact, they, uh, they gave me a shirt at that first attempted marathon. Uh, I can still picture it in my mind. I have another picture in that shirt, and it's a year and a half later. It's in Beaumont, Texas. Uh, the Stovers happened to be there. And uh, attempted another marathon. Daryl Smith, for motivation, I wore that shirt from that first marathon. By golly. No, we're going to beat this thing. In fact, I actually had my best day ever in Beaumont, Texas. Somewhere March of whenever that was, 14 or something. Um, I went on to complete two more marathons. I've actually failed at another one. <laughs> Here's the point. It only defines you if you give up. Failure does not define you unless you give up. Overcomers persevere. I know this is relatively minor to you. My daddy died last Sunday afternoon. And I stayed up, I don't know, well past midnight, which is late for me, writing my daddy's obituary. And I got up about 4 a.m., and I was working on some other things because there was a lot on my mind. Monday is a scheduled running day. So about 6.30, I put on my running shoes. And last Monday, I ran. And Wednesday, we went to Little Rock for the memorial service. Thursday morning, oh my, I hate those hills in Little Rock. I got up and I ran. And Friday night, we came home from the memorial service. It had been a long week. Yesterday morning, I got up, I put on my shoes, and I ran. Because your failure only defines you if you give up. Overcomers persevere. I want to, why don't you stand? Because I am really going to be finished. I want to close because I think it fits in John Mark's testimony with the statement that the writer of Hebrews, all of these writers in the New Testament have these themes of perseverance, endurance, patience and so it is for the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 12 he says verse 1 therefore we also since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance that's that word for perseverance the race that is set before us Looking on unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, here it is, endured, there's that word for persevere, the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured, there it is, such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. 
my prayer, and I want to I close in prayer. My prayer is that we would learn from John Mark. It's not just that overcomers never fail. It's not that the story of their life is, I've never blown it. No, the story of their life is even when I did blow it. Even when I wasn't up for the challenge that life threw at me, I never gave up. Because overcomers persevere. Amen? Amen. I'm going to lead us in prayer and we're going to be dismissed. Uh, We thank you if you've joined us by the live stream today. Um, You can see the announcements online and uh, if you need to speak with someone, I'm going to be at the front. Uh, Cricket, Byron, they're available. Uh, Their information is there for you. Um, Whatever you would need. If you just need somebody to pray with, uh, whatever your needs are in these days. And, but if you join me in prayer today, Father, we thank you for Jesus who set the pace and the pattern of life, who endured the suffering of the cross, Father, to give us an example and be that uh, trailblazer uh, who set the path before us. And so, Father, today... Uh, We pray that you'd just give us the power just to get up and to keep going. Uh, That our failure would not define us. And we pray it would be to your glory and your honor. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Thank you. You are dismissed.